You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. We collectively represent Canes County. Dot com. Make sure you subscribe to the website. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. And also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County, as well as this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast on all platforms. And Frank, we're in a bye week. So we get to kind of reflect where the Hurricanes are after four games. They're undefeated. And the floor at this point, I think, is nine wins. And um, just that, that's just based on recent history. I mean, I wrote an article about that. Uh, feel free to check that out on canescounty.com about teams that have gone 4 0, Miami Hurricanes teams, and kind of where they ended up. And the, the floor for all of those teams was nine wins, which was great to kind of see, um, you know, just to anticipate nine wins for the season which is a hell of an upgrade from last year from the five wins um i wanted to ask though with this quarterback situation obviously tyler van dyke is is tearing it up i mean he's one of the highest rated quarterbacks uh in college football um according to pff according to just you know statistics this offense is arguably one of the best in college football as well. So Tyler Van Dyke to the NFL seems like a thing that's going to happen, right? Um, I, I I could see him going to the evil empire in the New England Patriots, um, going back to his old stomping grounds in Connecticut and playing for Bill Belichick. But we'll see how everything kind of shakes out. But if that does happen, then Miami's kind of in a quarterback quandary, so so to speak. And we've heard from Shannon Dawson that they're trying to preserve the red shirt of both Emory Williams and Jakari Brown. But Jakari Brown hasn't seen the field in the past couple of games, and Emory Williams has. Do you think that's a big deal or or not a big deal that we haven't seen Jakari Brown? And where do you think my what what do you think Miami's mindset is about this backup quarterback situation? Oh, it's definitely a big deal. We, we know that he did not progress the way that many had hoped he would as a passer since the beginning of 2023 just spring practice all the way to fall camp it's been rumored that emory williams has just looked like the better quarterback overall and many are calling him the future of this miami hurricanes program and not really mentioning jakari brown and the fact that he hasn't played yet is a super red flag to me because you can still get four games into 2023 and get that red shirt why is he getting no reps at all no reps against bethune no reps against Temple, no reps against Miami of Ohio. Maybe Boston College is another game that you could potentially get him into. Maybe Georgia Tech. But remember, those are still ACC games. And even right. in down seasons, those teams are Power 5 rosters, right? They, they might not be four- and five-star talent across the board, but they're still more talented than a Temple, a Miami of Ohio, and a Bethune-Cookman. 
So where do you see him getting on the field? I don't. I don't think that there's any opportunity in 2023 that we're going to see Jakari Brown. And maybe it's a message to Jakari Brown that there needs to be another step forward for you to be able to get back into the good graces of what the potential of this offense is. A lot of times that like even under Shannon Dawson early on, we saw him still be utilized in more of a run first capacity. I think that's a red flag to me because I don't think Shannon Dawson wants to conform his offense to a quarterback. I think he wants to conform the off the quarterback to his offense. And I don't know if Jakari Brown has the capability to do just that. I, I don't think that he's inept as a passer. We, we've seen him on the high school level dominate. We watched him beat up on Miami Northwestern uh, when they had arguably one of the best teams in the last decade in South Florida. But overall, it's just been wanting more from him. And we haven't got that more since he's arrived to Miami. And if you look back at his recruitment, his recruitment was more of Mario really trying to save that 2022 class rather than wanting him as an evaluation, in my opinion. So I know that they like Jakari. He's a team first player. He's a tough kid. He came in in a tough part of the season last year and stepped up when there was injuries to both Jake Garcia and uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Sure. But he he might not be what is best for this offense. It could be Emory Williams. When he's gotten into games, Emory has looked really good in practice. All reports are that he looks really good. When we saw him in camp, both in fall and spring, looked really good. He's six foot four, six foot five. He he has progressed quickly at, with accuracy. You know, there were some reports coming out of high school that he had some accuracy issues at Milton, but really that's kind of kind of been overblown from what we've seen with him as a power five quarterback as a true freshman so yeah it's a red flag for me and, and kind of touching on what you said about Tyler Van Dyke going to the pros I don't know if that's all said and done this is one of the greatest quarterback classes we've seen in a long time just starting at the top Caleb Williams and Drake May those are two guys that are going to go within the first five picks that's not including the Jordan Travis's of the world. That's not including the Quinn Ewers of the world. There's a lot of guys that could potentially be jumping into this draft. And if you look at mock drafts, there's as many as eight to ten quarterbacks that could go in this first round, maybe even more. Does Tyler Van Dyke want to put him into a position where he's put himself into a position where he's not getting as much money up front when he is getting paid substantially in NIL at the University of Miami with the chance to continue to prove his draft stock? and maybe a softer draft class in 2025, I think that there's potential for that. And I think that would be the best thing for both parties because you get another year of Tyler Van Dyke to prove himself, and you get another year of a mango season with Emory Williams, who I think would be the next guy up. And then after that, obviously, Luke Nickel looks like he has special potential in that 2025 class. I think there's no chance that he returns, Frank, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, I, I don't think he comes back at all. I mean, uh, if he stays on this track the, the way he does, and, you know, you bring up a good point about the quarterback class, but I hear Caleb Williams is likely going to stay, stay um, for another year. Here's Shadur Sanders is likely going to stay as well. Yeah, that leaves players like, you know, Jordan Travis and still Drake May still – very likely to go in the draft, but you know, quarterback is one of those positions that's very important in the NFL. And like half of the teams in the NFL are kind of on the fringe uh, as far as their starting quarterback is concerned. So I, I still think there's potential there. I think TVD takes advantage of the opportunity. Uh, 
But yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, if he stayed another year, that would be awesome for the Miami Hurricanes program, especially with their given quarterback situation, who kind of needs they kind of need more seasoning, I would say, uh, as far as the backups and the potential quarterbacks that are that are coming in. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting situation that we'll continue to watch. But the fact that Jakari Brown hasn't played is a red flag. I agree with you 100%. And, um, you know, even if uh, Tyler Van Dyke does decide to go to the NFL draft, I think Miami takes a chance at a transfer. What do you think? If TVD stays, no chance they take a transfer, in my opinion, because you're you're going to have four quarterbacks on the roster, depending on Jakari Brown, if he decides to transfer out. Right, so maybe they would take a young guy that wanted the potential to compete with Emory Williams after T- Tyler Van Dyke if a Jakari Brown decided to leave. But overall, I don't think like they'd bring in somebody to compete for the job. Now, if Tyler Van Dyke leaves, I don't think that Emory Williams becomes a starting quarterback as a redshirt freshman. I don't know if remember there is so much of this team that is coming back in 2024. Right, you you have if listen, Colby Young could be a guy that decides to leave early if he really wanted to. He's a freak of nature, and his draft stock could go through the roof if he continues down this path, similar to Tyler Van Dyke. But you bring back a wealth of talent on the offense. The majority of the offensive line comes back. You have a really good young group on that second unit of the offensive line. Most of that defense comes back. Most of the defensive backfield comes back outside of the safeties potentially, right? But you got Zaquan Patterson coming in. You know they're going to hit the transfer portal on defense heavy you do have a lot of talent in that 2024 class coming in that could contribute as true freshmen so i think that everything is in place for this team to compete at an even higher level in 2024 than they are in 2023 so yes if, if there's no tyler van dyke in the fold i think that they go after one of the big fish like a notre dame did right, with the sam hartman right or, yeah. or you know like a caleb williams type situation with usc they're going to pay big in NIL. We know that they have the capability to do just that. And we know that they have the chance to win because the ACC looks super wide open. Yeah. And next year, no Jordan Travis at FSU. Another year removed from Clemson dominance. There's really North Carolina will probably be without Drake May. You're the favorite probably in the ACC in 2024, whether Tyler Van Dyke comes back or not, because you have so much talent returning. And I don't see any of the other teams really like Clemson could be like you'll still have competitive you know conversations with Clemson because I I anticipate you know Clay Cade Klubeck Klubnick is still going to be the starting quarterback next year even if for the struggles this year so there's going to be those conversations because Dabo has had success in the past but overall Miami's in a position to win for multiple seasons not just this year which I think is very different than that Malik Rozier season right when we saw them win 10 games that year and they were fighting for the college football playoff, that seems like it's now or never type situation with sure. Mark Richt and, and what they had going on. Not so much with this team. A lot of youth. They're leading the ACC in true freshman snaps. Uh, I think that they're close to the top in all of college football, right? So there's a lot of young talent that's already contributing. We've seen the flashes of brilliance from Chris, Chris Johnson and Mark Fletcher in the backfield. I know A.J. Allen ain't playing right now, but he's another young guy that's going to contribute. Robbie and Ray Ray in the slots. 
You're bringing in some really good talent at receiver. If they get an I-car, who we'll talk about in a little bit, um, or J- or Jeremiah Smith, you got so much talent coming in at receiver. There, this It's exciting to talk about. And I think even yes. if you lose a Tyler Van Dyke, who, yes, that is a huge loss, there is going to be a quarterback that wants to return to Miami, maybe like a lights-out situation, who knows, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, one of the, one of the college football – very talented college football quarterbacks uh, around the country that would like the potential to lead a team that has the potential for national championship aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's great that we get to talk about this. It, it, if you rewound this last season, this time, you know, we, you'd probably think we were crazy t- talking in this manner, but things have changed very quickly with the coaching staff changes that Mario Cristobal has has implemented and as well as the transfers uh, and and the recruits that he has brought in. One of those transfers, as you, as you mentioned, is AJ Allen and AJ Allen was a player who did not play mysteriously last week. And I think Cristobal kind of danced around the question of, you know, his status or what's going on there. Um, but it, it sounded like for some, it sounded like he wasn't injured, you know, um, and it seems if you're not injured and you're not playing and true freshman like Christopher Johnson Jr. is getting carries at the very end of the game and Allen still didn't record a carry, then it seems like he could be maybe in the doghouse uh, for some reason. Not sure, but you think that's a big deal or not a big deal that A.J. Allen didn't get a snap? I don't think this is a big deal because you're four deep at running back, right? It- Henry Parrish was a blue-chip prospect. Mark Fletcher was one of the best in the country. And Chris Johnson was a blue-chip prospect with a late rise in the process in 2022 or 2023. My apologies. So there's a lot of talent just outside of A.J. Allen. That's not even talking about Don Chaney, right, who start, who, who's kind of coming into his own late in his college career. It's hard to get on the field when there's five guys that are capable of touching the football just in the backfield. That's not even including the wealth of receivers that they have right now. So for me, I, I just think that they're doing it based on a competition on a weekly basis. Because before we were seeing A.J. Allen, who actually looked good when he was getting the ball early in the season, and not Chris Johnson. Maybe Chris Johnson in practice is showing a little bit more than A.J. Allen. And I think that they're going to be doing it on a week-by-week basis with a competition of Who's going to get those depth touches? Because we know Henry Parrish is going to get his. And Don Chaney has, has put himself in a position as a program guy and a grinder who has captured Mario Cristobal's heart in so many ways. You hear how he's talked about him over the last year. And there's yeah. just a there's just a love there for, for him that I don't I think supersedes what the young guys bring to the table right now. So you know you're going to get touches from Chaney and Parrish. And I think it's going to be an argument on a weekly basis, a competition on a weekly basis between the three young guys on who's going to see the field. And there's always going to be one guy left out, right? And I don't think that's ever going to be Mark Fletcher because we know what he can do as a running back. He's got the size. He has turned himself into a capable uh, speed threat. We saw him on how he scored his first touchdown. He broke through the defense and showed a little bit of burst. And then we know what Chris Johnson can do with his electric ability once he hits on the outside. A.J. Allen is more of a balance of those two guys, a little bit bigger than Johnson, not as powerful as Mark Fletcher, but a balance of the two with electric ability 
running inside the tackles as well. I just think that he's got to probably learn the offense. Um, you know, he did come in a little bit later in the process. I believe um, Mark Fletcher, did he come? Was he an early enrollee? He was not, right? No. He was not. No. So neither him or Chris Jones were early enrollees. But I think he did come up, come in a little bit later than those two guys. Um, so I do think that maybe he's behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, but there's it's going to be competitive. And I really don't see a problem with it. Because if you look around the country, the best in the nation have this issue where really good running backs don't see the field. And it happens time and time again at the Bamas, the Georgias. And if we want Miami to be in the same conversation as those teams, this is going to be something that comes up time and time again over the next few years. I mean, I, I like that answer from a, from a fan's perspective. You know, like you kind of, you know, you sugarcoat it a little bit, you know. Um, you, you, you painted it in a positive light, which is which is great to hear, but uh, – I, I think it's a red flag, you know, the fact that he didn't get – he got zero carries. I mean, zero snaps. I, I think it's kind of odd that he, he didn't get any carries in this one, um, which you probably will need his production for next game, depending on if Henry Parrish is okay. We saw him go down with an injury against Temple. Seems like it was a shoulder injury. If it is – probably is kind of 50 50 on playing against georgia tech yeah you got cheney uh, who likely is probably going to get his second start in a row um and then you're going to have of course mark fletcher in there but you kind of want to see aj allen as well i mean in in the scrimmage he broke out for a really nice run and he shows some explosiveness in some of the earlier games as well. He's got that big play ability. And I think Hurricanes fans want to see him on the field just to see what he can do. Because you want to see that type of explosiveness out of the backfield. So I think it's somewhat of a concern. But I think it's maybe more of a message from the coaching staff to him uh, to really, you know, work a little bit harder or step his game up. But um, is it, and just to kind of segue to Henry Parrish and his injury, there's a couple of other starters that are, that are out, you know, or have been out. Um, so the the injuries have kind of piled up a little bit as far as the starters concerned. And we've got Henry Parrish. Uh, we've got Cameron Kitchens, who we haven't seen in a couple of games. We haven't seen Branson Dean, who's a starter for a couple of games. And Akeem Mesidor, we haven't seen for a couple of games as well. And Matt Lee went down with an injury in the last game as well. Any one of those injuries a big deal or not a big deal for their next game against Georgia Tech? Matt Lee. Matt Lee is the big one for me. I think you have enough depth on the defensive line as well as running back to where Georgia Tech doesn't become a problem at any of those spots. Ruben Bain is extremely capable of filling that Akeem Mesidor role. We've seen the rotation at defensive tackle that there's enough talent there that they're going to be okay. And I don't think that Georgia Tech is going to threaten them on offense in a way that scares them on the interior, despite no Branson Dean. But Matt Lee is the quarterback of this offensive line. He's the one that is calling out checks. He's the one you know, pointing things out. He's the guy, he's the guy putting people in place, setting the tone of this offense. We, we've heard 
how important he is to what Mario Cristobal wants to do at Miami and what Shannon Dawson wants to do on offense. And not having him puts Ryan Rodriguez on the field. And listen, we saw Ryan Rodriguez be a, a really good player at Christopher Columbus, Mario Cristobal and Alex Maribel's uh, alma mater. And he was a player that we liked coming out of high school and was happy that he signed to the University of Miami. But he's a depth guy. And I don't necessarily love the idea uh, of digging into the depth on the offensive line, especially center, which is probably the most important position in that unit. So yeah. that's the that's the one that scares me the most. Not that Georgia Tech – I don't think that this game gets any closer because Matt Lee's not on the field. Let me just put that out there. I just don't – I don't like how it's going to inhibit the continuous progress of this offense not having Matt Lee on the field. It's going to limit some of the things that maybe you want to do or work on in this game because you don't have the guy who's the most important player on the offense not named Tyler Van Dyke out there. So – for me, it's a little bit of a red flag. I hope that he's healthy. I don't think we've seen any reports on really what's going on there yet. Um, but hopefully over the week, we kind of get some news on, on on how he's doing. Sure. Yeah, it, it certainly is a concern. Um, you know, Cristobal kind of, you know, doesn't talk about injuries. He's made that very clear. And we'll, we'll see if we find out some information within the week about all of these players but I agree with you. I think Matt Lee is, is the most important one. I think they can make do without a Henry Parrish. They've been making do without a Cameron Kinchins. Um, and, of course, you want him on the field. But, um, you know, Jaden Harris has kind of stepped up in these last couple of games. Obviously, Georgia Tech is a step up in competition from the last two games. But um, confident that he can hold his own for this one game. And then the defensive line is still, to me, the deepest position group on, on this football team. So I think they'll they'll continue to do well without a Branson Dean and an Akeem Mesidor when you got guys like Ruben Bain and Leonard Taylor that are continuously bringing pressure from the outside and the inside, especially when it comes to Bain. But um, we'll see what happens. Of course, you know, this is a bye week, so we have a week and then another kind of week to for these guys to get healthy either way i think miami's still in good shape to come out with a victory against georgia tech at home uh in, in about a week and a half let me ask you this right since it is a bye week right the coaches are going to be focused probably heavily on more recruiting this week than they are so much georgia tech sure well going into the next week right say you get all those guys close to playing say health wise they're all close to playing a Cameron Kinchins, an Akeem Mesidor, a Matt Lee, a Branson Dean, a Henry Parrish. Which of those guys are you okay sitting? Or, and, and do you think that need to sit heading into Georgia, uh, North Carolina after that? And who got who are guys you think need to play in this Georgia Tech game? I'm okay with sitting Cameron Kinchins. I'm okay with sitting Akeem Mesidor as well. I want to see Branson Dean play, though, uh, because Branson Dean is a guy that can be disruptive – in the middle and you, you just kind of want more stability in the middle of that defensive line. So if Branson Dean is ready to go, I would play him. Henry Parrish, another guy I would sit as well. If he's kind of on the fence of playing, I'd sit him as well. Matt Lee, if, if he is good to go, I'm playing him. You know, I, I am playing Matt Lee hundred percent because, you know, it, it's, it's not the best competition, but it is a conference game. And 
and it's coming off a bye. And I know this is a different coaching staff uh, from recent years where after a bye, they didn't fare very well, especially in that Diaz era. But you don't want a repeat of that, you know? I mean, you don't want this team to kind of get complacent coming off of a bye against a team that, you know, maybe wouldn't get you as excited to play like a North Carolina, FSU, Clemson, you know, type of game. So, yeah, I want that stability on the line with Matt Lee, and I want Branson Dean to play as well. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much okay with that. Now, if Matt Lee, if there's any risk of potential re-injury with Matt Lee going into that game, I think I'd rather sit him and wait for North Carolina than, than push it against Georgia Tech. Uh, but I would, no matter what Henry Paris's status is in the game, I'm probably sitting him. Akeem Ezidore, I don't think he plays by chance. Uh, we we kind of heard that was more of an extended uh, extended window for an for for his return. Yeah. Um, Cam Kitchens, I don't think he needs to play. He doesn't need the work, right? Like we we know what Cam Kitchens is going to do. Let him let him get his rest. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need these stat games anymore. Let him come back for North Carolina. Don't really show what he's you know super capable of in 2023. He already showed it against Texas A&M. Bring him out when when the when the lights are brightest with James Williams. They already have that chemistry um, and, and the ability to to play off of each other. Branson Dean, I, I agree with you. I I don't necessarily want him to take a full load of snaps, but I'd like to see him get back out there just so that you there is no rust when he comes back against North Carolina. Exactly. And, from what I you know, like, from what we were told, it wasn't as serious of an injury as Akeem Mesador. So, time to get back on the field. Maybe take ten to fifteen snaps, which is, you know, the high end on this defensive line is twenty to like twenty-two range. So, if he's taking about half uh, to two-thirds worth of snaps, I I think that's a good progression for him to to get ready for that North Carolina game. Absolutely. All right. So let's transition into some recruiting news, Frank. Uh, you know, the, the news is surrounding Nikar right now, decommitted from Georgia, and Miami is definitely in the race for the four-star receiver. What are you hearing on, on Miami's pursuit of the blue chip wide receiver? This isn't something new. This isn't this is something the staff has been working on for a while. Um, I, and listen, I think that Miami's in the driver's seat in this recruitment. I know that there's a lot of rumors about Florida State because his teammate Logan, um, it's not Logan Thomas. Uh, I, I forgot what his name is. The tight end, at it, the five-star tight end uh, who's committed to Florida State out of Colquitt County. He's he's also a close friend of Die Carr. So there's rumors that maybe Florida State is in this race. I don't think that they are in the same way Miami is. I still think Georgia is alive here, though. He's a South Georgia kid. He was committed for a long time. Uh, and, and everything that we're hearing, especially out of our guy, Adam Gorney, um, the national uh, director of recruiting here at Rivals, is that Miami is deep in this race. And from what I was told, uh, Miami has basically been on the verge of pushing that button uh, to, to get him into the fold. Um, and they've kind of been playing their hands slow. Like, it, they didn't want to rush this. Uh, they, you know, they wanted the relationship to be right. Cody Woodell went to go see him on Monday which was a big thing, um, you know, and I think getting him on campus for a game would be the next step. 
Uh, he is a guy that is a potential five-star receiver in this 2024 class. And I, you know, there's been every day it's a different update with Jeremiah Smith, right? I don't think he ends up at, at, at Ohio State, but I do think Miami is not the leader if he decides not to go there. So this is the pivot for Miami, in my opinion, outside of Jeremiah Smith in the five-star category. Because if you can bring in a trio of Chance Robinson, who's flirting with Ohio State, yes, I know, but I everything I've been told is that he's still locked in, and Josiah Trader, you bring in three elite receivers in this 2024 class, and then the next year after that, you have the potential to bring in three or four elite receivers after that, and then we're already starting to see the progression in 2026. So I think this is this is where Miami is trying to go, where they're going to bring in at least three top receivers every year, and Nykar fits the mold. If you watch the tape, he is explosive. He's only about six foot, 170, 175 pounds, but he has the ability to play outside. He knows how to stack defensive backs. He has elite ball skills, and he's proven it on viral catches where he's making one-handed grabs for touchdowns. You see how he's able to get behind a defense with his yeah. effortless speed. He is an explosive player, to say the least. Kind of fits the mold of like a Jeff Thomas, right, who, who was a guy that excelled at Miami. So sure. it, he would be a huge addition, especially with, you know, the potential of losing guys like Colby Young, uh, the, gra- the impending graduation of Xavier Restrepo, things of that nature. This is a guy that could come in and contribute right away at the University of Miami. He's put up elite numbers at the midboy point this season in 2023. He's already got like nine touchdowns, averaging over 100 yards a game for a really good Colquitt County team. Um, And and honestly, uh, I I think Miami has a really good shot here. Um, He has shut down interviews, so anything that you're seeing is not coming from him. Um, But overall, uh, everything is signaling towards Miami pulling off one of the biggest flips of this cycle, in my opinion. Um, and, and on the next update, watch for a rise from Nikar into the five-star ranks. The only question that comes up for me with Nikar is, is the fact that is Miami going to take four receivers here? Because, you know, Chance already there, JoJo already there, Nikar. Let's just assume Nikar is, is added to this class. Of course, they're not going to turn down JJ. So you'll you'll have four receivers. Um, is is that is that likely uh, for Miami to pull in four receivers for this twenty four class? If you can get Nikar and Jeremiah Smith, absolutely, you do that every single time. And then listen, th- it, this is a conversation that needs to be had. I think he plays receiver at the University of Miami, but Josiah Trader has the potential to play corner at the next level as well. Right, it's not. (laughs) He doesn't want to, right? But if he doesn't get on the field at the University of Miami early on, and Nikar and Jeremiah Smith are, you have to have the conversation of: Do you want to see the field, or do you want to continue this progression? Right, and we've seen him jump out at cornerback and safety this year so far. He did have the shoulder injury, so that's been limited a little bit, but he. He's been – there's a reason he's an athlete in the rivals' rankings is because sure. you don't know what to project him as. He's got really good length, elite ball skills. Sometimes there's maybe questions with the long speed, but he is quick. He's smooth in and out of his breaks. He's just a good athlete. And I think that you bring in four receivers and you fit guys in where they can, right? Because, yeah. listen, if you want to talk about, you know, 
guys not seeing the field. We haven't seen Robbie Washington yet, really. It, it's, you know, it's been a slow progression for him as well. Yeah, we've seen Ray Ray, and we know what Ray Ray can do, but Robbie's not guaranteed to, to, to be in the future of this, especially if you bring in four receivers and they're all elite. Miami's trying to be competitive at every single position on the field. And we know that they're still trying to flip the talent in this receiver room. There's still a lot of, uh, you know, guys that haven't fit the mold of championship-level players, and that's Frank Ladson's and the Michael Reddings. All those guys are going to be gone soon. So the depth in this receiver room is going to continue to deplete. So if you can bring in four really good players, the same way Ohio State does, the same way Georgia does, the same way that Alabama does, you do it. Uh, because these guys are all difference makers in this class. Um, and if you can grab Jeremiah Smith, I don't care if you have six receivers, you take him as the seven. <laughs> Big facts there. Um, so interesting to, to see how this wide receiver class for 2024 kind of shakes out definitely would be a huge upgrade if they are able to have car drive down to south florida uh another big athlete that uh you had a chance to see last night was chris wheatley humphrey and you know i call him an athlete because not only he is listed as an athlete for for rivals but he played uh, both sides of the ball and 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 this is not the first time we've seen it, too. We saw it in 707 this summer as well. He's an outstanding athlete. And from what I saw from, from your articles, that, that he's open to it. Um, where do you think he really excels at? Running back or defensive back? I think he excels at football. <laughs> I just think that he is one of those guys that you put him <laughs> pretty much anywhere on the field and he can make things happen. And I think that he's the ultimate team player. Last night, you saw him give up carries to a freshman running back who was the nephew of Dalvin Cook, by the way, which was interesting to watch, um, and play cornerback for the entirety of the fourth quarter when they were only up 20-7. to seven. This was the district championship against Dr. Kropp in Miami. Uh, this is a game that I think that they lost last year. Um, so the fact that you know he was able to play in this game, he only played seven games last year, and he's still willing to put his body on the line. I think he had a fumble recovery as well. Uh, he completely pressed the receiver out of bounds on one rep. Uh, he is super technically sound for a kid who doesn't play the position full time. And we know how explosive he is and how fast he is. There's a reason they call him Hellcat. Uh, Chris Wheatley Humphrey is a guy that, and he said it in the article, that wherever the coaches want me to play, I'm going to play and I'm going to grind at it, whether that's receiver, whether that's running back, quarterback, safety, corner. I'm going to do it all. Um, so, you know, I think he's a guy that, listen, there's going to be a lot of talent in this running back room after this class comes in because you have the majority of that room coming back. Even Henry Parrish has still time on his clock to come back. Um, so if you bring in, right, Kevin Riley, who many are considering uh, the best back in this region, right, and, and arguably one of the top backs in the country, uh, he's going to be a guy that tries to – push for early playing time, same way Mark Fletcher is and the same way Chris Johnson is. So uh, if Chris Johnson ain't seen the field, I'm sure that he can contribute in a multitude of ways, whether that being a punt return, whether that being a kick return, whether that's on defense. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in that role because he is a legit six foot, 185 pounds. Now he has put bulk on without limited limiting his speed. Uh, you know, before he was more of like a long, 
skinny guy that was just making 70-yard runs against lesser competition. He is a filled-out athlete now that is going to come to University of, of Miami at over 190 pounds because there's still room to put on put weight on his frame, especially in the lower body. And if he comes to Miami and gets in the weight room because he's an early enrollee and does six months in the weight room with, with a weight training program that has, has really transformed a lot of guys on this roster, ma- mainly to Corey Couch. Do you see the difference between to Corey Couch from last year to this year? He looks like a completely different player. And if you get a guy like Chris Wheely Humphrey to like 205 pounds with his, his ability to just be a game breaker on either side of the ball, I think that there's a lot of intrigue of him playing cornerback. We saw him give Lewayne McCoy a really hard time in seven-on-seven. He played a little bit of cornerback with DEFCON seven-on-seven at Battle Miami earlier this year, and now he's doing it on Friday nights at a really high level. Uh, I I don't know. This could be the position for him. I, I don't want to take him out of running back, but if you have too many guys, you want to find a place for for really good really good players, and, and he is – he fits the mold of that to a T. Just look at what he's doing right here. It's just he's leaving people, absolutely leaving people. Yeah, it, it would be uh, hard to see him not with the football in his hands based on what you see from these highlights. I mean, uh, he he's just an outstanding – I mean, he creates distance from, from these defensive backs when he's running away from them. So either way, just an outstanding athlete and – just a great attitude, um, you know, from what I read from your article, just his his willingness to just to play anywhere just to help his team win. It, it sounds like a Mario Cristobal guy if, I, if I've ever heard one. So, well, we'll continue to monitor that. And, of course, we'll continue to monitor if he gets that fourth star, too, because from what he is doing this season, I think he deserves it. So, uh, we'll see if that happens as well. So, and well, another recruiting nugget, and another yeah. recruiting nugget before we go. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to put a little bit, a little bit of information in our, into our message board, but I think that Georgia loses potentially another player in this class, and wow. I would, I would not be surprised to see Miami kind of touch things here. Um, he, he's one of the better players in the country, um, so you know, listen, take advantage of that Miami 30 code and listen head to that message board because we're going to have some good information obviously this class is starting to finish up you got you know the lj mccrays and and, and you got the aiden Breelands and, and jeremiah smith pursuits but 2025 is starting to heat up we already got three guys committed in that class quarterback a receiver and a five-star defensive end and listen it, there's only more to come with this miami staff um, because they are doing their due diligence on, on the recruiting front and if they continue to to win the way they are um and and fight for a potential acc championship opportunity the news is going to be coming out fast so take advantage of that that free code you get those first 30 days three for free and you know you give us a try and i'm sure that we're going to prove our value to you on our canes (laughs) county website awesome great stuff um lastly uh you know we talk a little high school football at the end of this uh, at the crib podcast every week here. Obviously, it was a huge game last week. Shaman out in Central, you were there, um, and you kind of saw JJ do his thing, and Shaman pull out a victory, a narrow one, 
against Miami Central. I'm assuming you have Chaminade still at the top, obviously, after a win like that. Um, I don't you said um you said beforehand that uh, the rankings aren't out yet, but should we see any movement? What do you think of the game? What do you think of the future of high school football here in South Florida? I don't think you can drop down Central after a three-point loss to the best team in the country, you know, potentially. So, for me, I, one and two stays the same. You're going to see some some movement at the bottom. Miramar lost to uh, – to who did they, they lost to Dillard, who was one and two coming into that game. Um, you saw Ely lose uh, to, to Creek. You know, you, you saw some teams that – stumbled along the way right so creek uh, gonna you're gonna give, see uh, creek gonna give shamanad uh some work i, I don't think anybody gives shamanad a run for their money until potentially bishop gorman at the end of the year which is a a, a rematch of what happened last year at yeah. the uh geico geico bowl uh in las yeah. vegas let's, that could be let's, for the national championship right there it could be for the national championship <laughs> big game this weekend uh elijah lofton miami's four-star tight end commit has a major matchup coming up with IMG Academy, number two versus number four. Uh, so that's going to be a game to watch, especially if you're a Chaminade fan, because that's going to dictate uh, really how this ranking goes. Because if a matter day loses to a St. John Bosco at some point, that's likely going to drop them out of the top three. And that moves Chaminade and Bishop Gorman into a one-and-two position. And if those two teams play at the end of the year, that's essentially a game for the national championship. So – um, that's that's something to watch. Um, another big time matchup that's a rivalry game here in South Florida is that American Heritage versus Cardinal Gibbons game that has given us yeah. classics on a year in year out basis. Even last year it came pretty close, um, but overall I, I'm I'm probably going to lean towards American Heritage. But uh, you can never count out Coach the Buck, who's one of the best coaches in the country of all of high school football, in my opinion, multiple time state championship when he coached for a Gibbons program that did none, did none of that before he became the guy. Yeah. Um, so, so that's going to be a good one. Uh, obviously you got that Creek Chaminade game. If you guys have not checked out coconut Creek, please go to that game this weekend. It is going to be a good one. And those kids at coconut Creek are very good. There is some power five talent on that team, in my opinion. And there are some guys that you guys should go check out because there's just a lot of good football in the public school ranks. And they are number one, in my opinion, in Broward County in that regard. Um, and then, obviously, the week after that, we got a really good one that we'll obviously talk, touch on next week, uh, Booker T versus Norland, which is the yeah. first first step towards, uh, you know, seeing what's going to happen, how everything shakes out in Dade County. Because yeah. Norland and Central is coming up after that, so Excited. a lot of a lot of good things coming in high school football here here in South Florida and nationally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Again, make sure you subscribe to the website canescounty.com. Use the promo code mind thirty. Make sure, of course, subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast, on all platforms as well as this. YouTube channel live from Canes County. Make sure you subscribe. We're 10,000 strong already as far as subscribers are concerned. Um, I don't think when it comes to the combination of high school football coverage, recruiting when it comes to Miami and just overall covering Miami athletics, I think we are number one when it comes to the combination of all of those. And you know, as you can see, I don't think any YouTube channel covering Miami Hurricanes has that much growth in one year 
10,000 subscribers. So the numbers say it all. Um, but, you know, continue to follow us on social media as well on all platforms. But thanks again, my guy, Frank, for joining me this week and every week here on At The Crib until the next episode. CJ to the U. CJ to the U. <laughs>